0: have your bear spray, right? And I'm like, have you met me? Like, you know, I don't. I'm like, why would I own bear spray? I don't go out into nature.
1: hello everyone and welcome back to hate spinnerbait the podcast where we hate spinnerbait but we love mira sparks oh Oh
0: my god seriously we are the co-founders of the gwendolyn rogers and the mira sparks fan club because we love both of them
1: so much so much hello everyone i am michael ann joined with me again joined with me again yeah that's the right sentence structure with my co-host, Bethany. Bethany, how's your week going? Mine's clearly on another level.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, you know what? You know, it was a really great idea that we did, Michael Ann, is we decided that we would start a podcast at the same time that both of us were like moving. So that mm-hmm. was a really, that was a choice that we made. I mean, we're episodes in now by the time I'm moving, but still. That was really a choice that we made. We're like, you know what would cap off our 2022? (laughs) (laughs) Moving, packing. We just love packing. I thought today, speaking of, um, I was like, oh, because, again, Inside Baseball, for everyone real quick, we take turns editing the episodes. And so I was like, oh, it's my week to edit. And I was like – Oh, my last edit of 2022, which makes it sound like I've been doing this so much longer than we have. like I've been really like in the trenches all year. And I was like, really, like only the last few months, but you know, uh, but yeah, so I was like, oh, it's my last edit of 2022. And I got a little wistful about it, but it just, that's so much more editing I get to do in 2023. So get hype everyone.
1: This is just the beginning. Just the
0: beginning. We got two more novels coming our way. Hopefully, supposedly. Fingers crossed. So, fingers crossed. That's even more goodness. We already have like a bunch of goodness to read, but that's even more goodness out there. Well, we're about to dive on in to chapter 11. That's, we're going to get this right on the road because it's probably another two-hour episode because we just can't. We can't stop ourselves. We yeah. have a lot to say. Uh, so no, go ahead, Michael Ann, before we dive into chapter 11, and
1: please give us a brief recap of what we have read of us far. Coley, um, she's our main character. Her mom is a famous fitness uh, lady named Kiki. She mm-hmm. is on a European tour, doing her little Kiki fitness tour. So Poli is spending, spending the summer in Colby. Coley is spending the summer in Colby with and her now. aunt, Mira. Oh, who's very... Hard one to say. It was. I'm like <laughs> second guessing all my words today. So I'm like, uh Yeah, she's spending the summer with her aunt. Um, Mira, who we love, she is uh, a fat woman who is very eccentric and artist. She has a boy living downstairs named Norman, who is Coley's love interest kind of maybe might have spoiled that for everybody. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then she's also made two wonderful friends who we believe live on Mira's property named Morgan and Isabel. Um, they all work together at Last Chance Restaurant in uh, Colby. And we kind of see Coley going through a lot of stuff. She's been bullied a lot. She was formerly um, fat and she's lost all this weight. And she's kind of struggling with identity and self-confidence. And the women in her life, Morgan, Isabel, and Mira, and I guess her mom, but not really, have been helping her kind of work through that and find herself. And the last uh, place we left off was Morgan, Isabel, and Coley getting ready for a chick night.
0: Chick night. Yes. The discos up, bumping. They're getting ready. I love that Coley basically thinks it's like over and they're like, this is just the preamble. Like, this is just us getting ready. We still have to go out and do it. So yeah, that's where we dive into chapter 11. They are going on the chick night, which they're kind of like explaining the rules. well, Morgan, they're like, You know, you can't have a good chick night without at least one cat fight. Someone has to cry. Um, And she said, it's usually Morgan. And Morgan's like, it's not. And it's like, there is every group of friends where there's the one emotional person. And hi, it's me. I'm the one who's usually (laughs) crying. For sometimes a good reason. For sometimes absolutely no good reason. But I'm going to cry about it. So I respect that. So they're kind of explaining All of that. And then, yeah, their plan is to basically go out. uh, As we've mentioned last episode, we left off at the Chick Nights, the 4th of July. So their plan is to go out and basically go to the beach to watch fireworks and, you know, flirt with boys and live their best lives, essentially.
1: Live it up. Yeah. Yeah. So we're starting here on Chapter 11. I don't know if we said that, but everyone listening should know. And yeah, they're getting ready. They're listening to uh, Isabel accidentally lights a stack of magazines on fire, which I (laughs) thought was hilarious. Um, Definitely something I would do. I lit my parents' crock pot on fire one time and I wasn't even cooking in it. So who the
0: hell knows? I am very traumatized by this is, I really think we should, someone out there listening, please do a count of how many times I mentioned tv shows that i like because i do it a lot (laughs) but here's count one for you of this episode i'm very traumatized by crockpots and crockpot fires because that is how spoiler alert for anyone who has not seen this is us jack pearson from this is us died so when you just said that i was like oh my god i'm glad i didn't injure anyone
1: (laughs) crockpot fires are serious Speaking of being the emotional friend, I did watch This Is Us because obviously Milo Ventimiglia, I didn't pronounce that right, but you guys know who I'm talking about, is like the most attractive man. That's yeah. Andrew, that's ever <laughs> existed. And so Good I had save. to watch it. <laughs> and, um, uh, I it was so sad and I cried all yeah. the time and I was like, you know what? I cry enough in my real life. I don't I don't want this <laughs> don't anymore. I don't want to know how he dies. I'm all set. Stop that's, it. that's it. That's how he it's Super Bowl Sunday.
0: They we're making, obviously, that's a food for a Super Bowl party. And the only reason it was Super Bowl Sunday is because the Super Bowl was on NBC that year. So, you know, synergy. And they aired the big Jack dying reveal right after the Super Bowl. So it's like, are you happy your team won? We're about to bring the mood down.
1: Anyways. Oh, my check God. It. I'm Here like, we are. I go, no, we got to go I, back to this. Now right. that I've
0: brought the mood way down, let's bring Oof. it back up. Head into, the, head into the beach. Well, actually, okay. We're doing makeup first still plucking eyebrows. She's all like, good eyebrows take maintenance, which, girl. If that ain't the truth. Yes. That is absolute facts. And then this is where we learn we were saying we were curious about how she got this hole-in-one nickname. And this is where we learn it. We learn the story of Chase Mercer and how he was new to the neighborhood and how they kind of like found each other because of course her being like the all the time new girl you know she kind of he was she was sort of new to the neighborhood he was new to the neighborhood and they kind of hit it off because he didn't have any preconceived notions about her he didn't know the coley of the past like everyone else did he just knew this version so they they hit it off or whatever and of course now that her mother is kiki sparks she has access to the country club so they're at the country club and they go off onto the golf course basically to they're like looking at the stars i believe it's, like, it's so innocent and innocuous. Like, it's not even funny. And basically, Carolyn Dawes, that bitch, uh, she finds them. And, of course, now Hole in One makes sense that that's how she gets a sick name because they were on a golf court. Um, Golf course. It's not a court. It's not tennis. <laughs> this is how much I like <laughs> golf. I don't know what it's called, you I wouldn't even
1: have corrected you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, so they're on a golf course and Carolyn Dawes, as per usual, comes through in her life. And it just makes me really sad that, and again, even if they were having sex on this golf course, who cares? And why would you call her a slut? And why would you be like showmans or life for anyone? They literally were, they're fully dressed. Like they're so innocently doing nothing it also pisses me off that this Chase guy just, like, ghosts her. Because, you know, she gets a reputation from it. This doesn't affect him at all. And mm-hmm. he, like, doesn't talk to her anymore.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I wrote. Just, oh. It says on page 150, Chase Mercer got off easy. And I wrote, the boy always does. He always mm-hmm. does. We always let them go. Absolutely with no just look at society in general i mean we could get on our soapbox but i'll resist (laughs) but patriarchy so then after that she kind of has like a meltdown i guess um this is when she gets her lip pierced and cuts her hair with nail scissors which like girl we have all been there i'm so sorry Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh dyed it bright red She says, the same reason I took up with Ben Lucas who was nasty and dirty and just wanted to get into my pants and I almost let him. The same reason I lost myself in music that screamed and thundered and hated as much as I wanted to. And I sat in my new bedroom in my new house with my new pool and new clothes and felt miserable. Angry with every inch of who I was. At school, I was like a time bomb ready to explode. I pulled my long coat around me for protection so that nothing could get through. It worked as well as it could. Words.
0: Yeah. Ugh, that's just, I just feel like the poor hits keep coming for this girl, you know? It's just, but if that, if has... that isn't what being a teenage girl is, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't I know, know what seriously. is. <laughs> I was having some like major, um, major flashbacks to being in high school and being like having those mean girls around and making me feel terrible and listening to Hole, that was my angry girl music, a little Courtney Love. And I was like, <laughs> wow, yeah. All, I wore all black. I just walked around and was like mad all the time. Ugh, it sucks being a teenager. It's like, how do I handle all these emotions? And then imagine not really having any friends. Does. Yeah, that, I can't, I think every time
0: that makes me so sad is that she just like really has no one, especially because it sounds like back in the day, her relationship with their mom, like they were pretty close in what they call like the fat years. And now her mom, like, has this whole other life outside of her. And I feel like she just really has no one. And that's just, I can't imagine going through all of that and, like, not having anyone to turn to until, of course, she comes here and she seems to, you know, kind of been taken in by Morgan and Isabel, which is very nice. I will now say that we've completely finished this novel, the both of us, uh, you know, on reread. It's, still, it never does officially say how old they are. <laughs>
1: and I'm just like
0: it's not really that important I guess like we can gather early 20s is what I'm assuming but it is just kind of crazy that that is at no point mentioned when we like for sure know Coley's age which is the weird part to me like and
1: Norman I don't know now we know nor- Norman is too
0: yeah yeah we get to that uh eventually here soon actually uh but we never get to find out how old the girls are and I was like I'm just curious. Out of my own curiosity, I wanted to know. It's not really prevalent information to the story, but I just want to know. Uh, So yeah, we are now getting to the beach, which I love at the beach. Okay, Isabelle's whole like little schick with the beer. Uh, That one guy that kind of comes and flirts with her or whatever. And I also like that she definitely had more beer in the car. And it's just like she, like Isabelle's big thing is like we've kind of seen it a little bit but it really shines through in this chapter and kind of for the rest of the novel is like respecting yourself being treated with respect by others like knowing your own self-worth and like you her big thing like her advice to Coley a lot with boys is kind of like have him come to you like you call the shots you you know you're awesome you're amazing like have him come to you or whatever and it's just like so demonstrated like really well with this whole like conversation she has with this frank guy about the beer and I just love that <laughs> and I was like yes Isabel. like ha- she has her boundaries she set them she's gonna stick with them and like she is not gonna be pushed around and I love that yep
1: yep so then that guy sits down they're like the fireworks should start soon and then this is when Isabel says hey Coley go back to the car and get my other six-pack I guess she's trying to get Coley to like walk around the beach a little bit, I assume. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's kind of the vibe that I was like picking up. Like she was like, I hope that girl look good tonight. We're here. Everyone in town is here. I'm gonna go make her strut a little bit,
1: which I love. Mm-hmm. And she does. She goes out there, she's shoulders back. She says, don't smile, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, And she starts walking on the beach and she catches someone. Well, somebody bumps into her very hard but he kind of catches her eye or he she catches his eye and it's this this boy his name is josh he's like oh my god i'm so sorry i'm so clumsy <laughs> and then he kind of walks away um back to where he was standing with his friends and <clears throat> so coley gets a six-pack she comes back and when she comes back she sees norman And he's kind of trying to invite her to sit down with him. And she's like, no, I can't. And then he propositions her. He's like, I want you. He has propositioned her. I'm sorry. He's like, I want to paint your, (laughs) I want to paint your portrait. But she's not listening to him at all because she catches that guy, Josh's eye. And the guy, Josh is like, come over here. Come stand with us. I'm a cute boy. You don't know me. (laughs) And so poor Norman basically gets ignored And he's like, come over for hot chocolate tonight. I'll be there. And she's like, okay, great. And then she walks away.
0: Oh, Coley, not paying attention. Listen, if a boy offered to make me hot chocolate, I'd be like, let's leave right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, sorry, did you say hot chocolate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pack up your bag, buddy. We're out of here. Let's go.
0: I don't need to watch fireworks. Okay, fireworks, fireworks. You just offered me hot chocolate that apparently is like, you know, legendary hot chocolate. Let's go, Norman. Mm-hmm. yeah she's paying him no mind because she's infatuated with this Josh guy which you know I get like a cute boy noticed her essentially I mean again because they literally bumped into each other but it's still like oh I've been noticed and that's not something that happens for her a lot but of course of course there's you know the other shoes gotta drop and it's that he happens to be hanging out with Carolyn Dawes who is of course Coley's arch nemesis so that's a bit of a bummer but here we have a great moment where essentially, uh, so she's, she's all like, oh my God, I can't go back over there because he's with Caroline Dawes and he's all like, oh, come, come on over this way. And Isabel's all like, go, like you go over there and you, you do it. And then it's like, it's not even about Josh anymore. You know what I mean? Like he's the, I don't know, like a catalyst of what set this off, but now it is about her kind of, towing off with carolyn jaws
1: yep yeah and right before she gets there um she tells herself in her head um you know she remembers Isabel saying believe in yourself up here and it'll make you stronger than you could ever imagine which is like yep excellent advice definitely put that in your head and then she hits you with and my mother's words being self-confident doesn't necessarily start inside it starts with the rest of the world and leads back to you so, we're still seeing that, like, while this is a great moment for Coley, it's not the ultimate breakthrough with her, like, self-confidence. But it doesn't even matter because we get this absolutely epic scene that that every person wants to have with their, yes. uh, their arch nemesis. So, she walks up to them and Caroline starts, like, freaking out. You don't belong here, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, she's a slut. Everyone knows it at home. And Kali just looks at her and says, "You're pathetic." No, wait, no, 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 no. She didn't say you're pathetic.
0: Uh, Carolyn says that to her because she's like and sneering at her still. And then, yeah. of course, this is where Coley finally gets to be like, oh, "So good," and you're such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish I could have ever said that to the bitches in high school, but I would have never had the the gumption to do that. So I was like, yes. And then she's like, and I laughed surprised at how my voice sounded strong and steady. And then she's like, I feel sorry for you, Carolyn. So then Carolyn's like, I hate you. And then I just love like this too. She was like, you should get over that. I told her. And I imagined Isabel, eyes closed, saying these same words. It's unhealthy. Just let it go. And then Carolyn's mouth falls open. And again, it's like, whatever who cares about Josh right now like you just got to own Carolyn Dawes and that is just oh, it's so satisfactory
1: (laughs) it is a true like bad bitch moment like that is the moment everybody has like in the shower five hours later when they're replaying the scene like I don't think I've ever had the closest I ever got to this was when these boys were bullying me in college and I was very drunk and started walking towards them because I was gonna deck him in the face. And my boyfriend at the time picked me up and carried me away. <laughs> I will never forgive him for that. I barely remember yeah, his freaking like name. Kill your moment. Ah, he deserved it. Oh, you you deserve it. It's okay. I called it life life of the NYPD on that guy.
0: I feel like in high school, I had like one good mic like drop moment in high school, and it really had nothing to do with me. Like the thing again, speaking of like friendship groups I'm like everyone has their role. There's the mom role. There's the emotional one. Hi at me. And there's this, there's that. But the other thing I was, was like my friend's therapist. Like I was very good at keeping the peace in the group of friends. And again, I, like they're, they were lost without me. <laughs> That's to my own horn, but they all would be lost without me. But I am very good at sticking up for people that I love, but not very good at sticking up for myself, which again, is like yeah. such a, Problem that a lot of teenage girls face. And through, you know, getting older and wiser and, you know, therapy, stuff like that, I have gotten much better at being like, oh, the way I stick up for other people, I could do that for myself, actually. So now, as a grown adult woman, I'm much better at knowing my worth and sticking up for myself. And in high school, I'd been like, I would never stick up for myself, but like someone hurts my friend. And so, anyways, one of my friends in our friend group was. Dating another one of my friends in my friend group, and he cheated on her. Which, like, oh. if there is one thing I cannot stand, it is a cheater. Like, I just think that that is just like, oh, the lowest level, just, just absolute scum, you know. And so, basically, all my friends, uh, she of course found out first, and then another one of my girlfriends found out, and everyone basically in the friend group was like, "Wait until Bethany finds out." <laughs> because they knew like they knew because like all of us were like we're giving him the cold shoulder right because like what a despicable human so and this was like straight out of a movie like again I lived it so I, I can't see from the outside perspective how it looked but in my mind it looked like straight out of a movie uh I found out that later that evening the next morning I knew I was going to see him in between like second and third period passing and he was at his locker, which was like a down, the way my high school set up, there was like downstairs lockers and upstairs lockers. This year in school, he had a downstairs one. So anywho, so I traced over there. I'm coming from the opposite side, right? Like the locker door is open and I'm coming from that. So he can't see me. He's got his head in there. I'm not an absolute bitch. So I wait till he got his head out. And then I slammed it shut. Like that is how he saw my presence. I looked him in the eye and I said, you? are dead to me. Do you hear that? Dead to me. Do not talk to me. Do not look at me. Do not breathe in my direction. Dead. And I walked away. <laughs> oh, Like straight up, that is what I did.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> my greatest moment, I think, was, and this is horrible, but it's not fucking care so my first toxic relationship was with my my best friend growing up um and she was just the worst I mean like when I say my toxic like yes this was like an emotionally abusive relationship genuinely and she slept with the guy I was in love with and then she asked him to prom so you know what I did Ooh, you know what I did? Tea. I took her ex-boyfriend to prom. Oh! The same, the oh, same prom. Crazy. And do you know what else happened at that prom after party? I got oh. my man back and she didn't. Oh! oh got both men that night. That is seriously
0: some like Dawson's Creek angst. Oh my god, I live for that. That's great.
1: She was oh, like, "Can fantastic. we trade prom dates? Because I know you really want to go with him, and I really want to go with her boyfriend." And I was like, "No."
0: Very good, thanks. Appreciate I'm all set. Them. Thanks. <laughs> <sighs> uh,
1: oh, high school, high school, y'all. What a time! Oh my god, what a time! What a time! And now that guy is dead. Rest in peace. <laughs> Love you forever. And the other guy. <laughs> The other guy went on like a solo hiking trip on the um, east, the west coast. That like big hiking trail from like that Cheryl Strand book, and on his first night, he was in his tent, and a bear walked right over him. In his uh, he packed up and went home.
0: Yeah, I seen that's. Mm-mm. I don't mess around with bears.
1: No wildlife
0: no. in general to be honest
1: <laughs> that's like life going or no I'm not going my ass isn't going camping I will not be running into any fucking bears no. okay
0: I'm a real and person right now one of our listeners from Seattle is probably out with their bear spray as listening to that and I just want you to know you're a braver soul than I will ever be <laughs>
1: 100% if it's not <laughs> glamping I don't want it I don't
0: want it. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm an indoors person. Okay, y'all. Very indoors. Me and the outdoors do not mix. Me and wildlife. It's terrifying to me. Keep on keeping on. I went to visit Wyoming for a friend's wedding and like went in Rome, you know, like we did want to do some like like light hiking, but there's like a ton of wildlife. And my friend from Seattle was like, Will you have your bear sprayed? Right. And I'm like, have you met me? Like, you know, I don't. I'm like, why would I own bear spray? I don't go out into nature. And also you can't fly with bear spray. So even if I had some at home, which I don't, wouldn't have been able to pack that because I flew to be here. So was I supposed to like go to Target in Wyoming and be like, y'all got any bear spray? Like, no, get out of (laughs) here.
1: What even is bear spray? Is it like mace?
0: Basically like super strong mace, like hella strong mace. And I'm like, do I have to get it in their eye then? Because they are very tall. Or do you just spray it anywhere near them and it freaks them out? I, and I'm on
1: screen. Yeah. And they have big paws. No, there's no fucking way. No. No way. No. <laughs> but you know
0: what is not terrifying? The victory of telling off your nemesis. So you yes. tell off Carolyn and then <laughs> that segue there. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> From bears to Carolyn Dawes. But so she goes ahead and... Um, tells her off and then essentially josh is all like i'm sorry about my cousin and then he's all like we're leaving tomorrow but can i call you and she's all like i work at the last chance so like smooth operator she's like "Mm -mm, boy you can't get my number you can call me on my job though i don't know i liked that that was cute i like that too um, I love this part, too, when they get back because like Morgan's confused because like Morgan doesn't know like she wasn't there the day of the whole Carolyn Dawes thing. So like Isabel knows what's up, but like Morgan doesn't know. So Morgan's just like, like what is happening? And so Isabel's like, I'll tell you everything later. Isabel said to her patting her knee, but it was very, very cool. <laughs> I, just, I just love that. Uh that's cute. Just the, the mutual respect. So then we get back to the little White House, and who is there? Freaking Mark. <sighs> Mark.
1: Mark, 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 Mark.
0: Mark, 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 Mark. Plans have changed. Isabel, of course, is now like, what the heck? Where am I supposed to go? Because now that Mark's here, I'm not gonna be allowed in my own house, which is honestly very annoying. And Yeah, so that's just Mark trying to win back in good graces. Don't like that. No, that's not going to end well. And Mm -hmm. Isabel is annoyed. Uh, She goes ahead and says goodbye to them, essentially. And then she um, heads up to go see Mira, the MVP of this novel.
1: MVP, yeah. And um, she worries that she's going to be asleep, but she's not. She walks in and Mira has the, uh, has a disabled, uh, disassembled telephone in her lap, which of course she does. (laughs) And she, Mira says, you know, I don't really like, I don't really like the noise and the pomp and circumstance. I just prefer a nice quiet celebration, which me too, girl. Yes. Um, and so Coley takes her outside and they light a couple sparklers and it's very cute and Coley says to independence day and mira repeats the sentiment sentiment and i love that because it's like yeah it's independence day but really what we're talking about here is coley's independence from the shackles of carolyn Daw- Dawson.
0: yes i also like loved i was like i understand that it that literally is what the holiday is is independence day the sentiment and so much more. And I love that she like went and had this little quiet moment with Mira and I love the sparklers, but the entire time in the back of my mind, I'm like, but you told Norman you were going to meet up with him. And I feel bad because as someone who has been, you know, coley has been bullied and she doesn't have a lot of friends and people let her down all the time. And I was like, I know you're not doing this intentionally, but please don't like stand someone like that. You would hate that. So yeah, the whole time I was like, oh, I love this moment with Mira, but I'm very worried right now about
1: Norman's feelings. (laughs) I know. I know. So then chapter 12 comes. Oh, this is one of the chapters I cried in. I cried in almost every one of these chapters. So get ready, guys. From here on out, it's time for tissues. It's time for tears. So it's the church bazaar that we've been hearing about for a little while. And they're browsing, they're walking around, and what happens? But Bay Williamson and her weird alien baby yes. that should be studied by Fox Mulder is talking tons of shit about Mira, once again. Mm-hmm. Once again. she's making fun of her for how much she loves the bizarre, which, again, is in itself bizarre, because... Isn't that the point? Of um, trying to, that's trying like, to make money here. That's like throwing having a yard sale and then being mad someone spends a $1,000. Right. Um, And Coley is, Coley is still riding on that high from last night. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to fucking say something. So she walks right up to Bay Williamson. But before she can say anything, Mira kind of pulls her away. Says, come on, it's time to go.
0: And Polly basically is like shocked because again, she is riding off that high and she was like, I just got to like put my bully in her place. And that felt really good. And I think she, yeah, I don't know. Like she just wants Mira to like have that moment. But what she doesn't understand is that like Mira does not need that moment because Mira really is just kind of unfazed by all of this, which like to be that comfortable in your own skin, like again, like I just so aspire to be this woman. But she says, you know, they, they're walking away, and Coley's just like, you know, I like, I don't understand. Like, these people are, like, terrible to you. Like, how would you not, like, want to say anything? How does this not bother you? And, you know, she says, they don't hurt me, Coley. She said they never have. And then, you know, Coley's like, come on, though. Like, you know, I spent this whole summer seeing it. I mean, what about B. Williamson? You can't tell me. And then I just like love this part. Mira says, no, no. She said, shaking her head. It's not about B. Williamson. It's not about anyone. I'm a lucky person, Coley. I'm an artist. I have my health and I have friends who fill my life and make me happy. I have no complaints. And it's like, yeah, like why are you going to spend time on the the negative things, on the people that aren't bringing anything into your life when spend time on the, the good things you do have? And that's like such a healthy awesome outlook on life. And it's so much easier said than done, but I just so respect her for like literally. And then she says this, she's like, um, and then she smiled at me as if this wasn't as complicated as I was making it. Look at me, Coley, she said, dressing down at her big yellow shirt and leggings, her little purple high tops. I've always known who I am. I might not work perfectly or be like them, but that's okay. I know I work in my own way. And it's just like, yeah, exactly. Like she is just like, whatever, they can say what they want. Like I, I've always known who I am and like, oh, the yeah. absolute freedom of that, of like, just being like, I know who I am and I don't give a damn. It's just like chef's kiss. Yeah.
1: So this <laughs> is when, this is one of the spots I cried because, oh man, like I have been struggling mostly for the past couple of years with like self identity um because I've always just been trying to mirror what everyone else around me is doing and I've never tried to just figure out like what do I like what do I need how to stay true to myself like how how do we even get to this place and then here's Mira just it's like so simple she's like look at me I'm I know who I am and I'm happy and I might not be perfect and I might not fit in with them but that's fine I work in my own way and it's like yeah I need that like tattooed on my arm. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, one
0: of my, I really think, and again, I think I'm still, you know, they talk about becoming in this book, the, the you know, caterpillars into butterflies and, and try again and becoming. And I think I'm still becoming who I am, so to speak. But I do think the older I get, the more I'm comfortable being who i am the more hopefully i'm working slowly but surely into becoming a Mira. i hope yeah. uh, i i love i've always loved that quote god i don't know we're only like 11 episodes in and i'm like have i said this before on the podcast but <laughs> i've always loved the quote i say this all the time because so many people are so weird about their birthdays and getting older and i'm like i love my birthday i love getting older like why would you not I'm sure it's the alternative first of all um, Absolutely. Like, why would you be upset about getting older? But I always think of Guillermo del Toro, who is just he's a Mira. Like he's someone who's like knows who he is. He's like, I like monsters and weird things and I'm happy about it. And I I love that for him. But, you know, he, he was giving a speech once and he was talking about how god awful your 20s are. And now he's so much happier at 53. Again, at the time he was 53 when he gave the speech than he was, you know, when he was like 23 or whatever. And I was like, "Healthy, yeah, that's something to aspire to. Like every time when you get older, like you know who you are, you feel confident, you know who your real friends are. Uh, but yeah, talking about like people, like just being what other people want or like not, you know, like I said, being the glue in the friendship because it's like, yeah, I was very agreeable. Like I wanted these people to stay my friends and I wanted everyone to be happy and I was that girl in Mean Girls who was like, i just picked a kick of rainbows and I want to give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> right, that was me in high school. I was like, I just, why can't everyone be friends? Um, so, yes, because of that, I, like, speaking of toxic relationships, had, like, this whole conversation with my mother about how I'm like, I don't know how I always end up, like, getting in, like, toxic friendships or whatever. Obviously not all of them. I have a lot of really good friends. Um, but I mean, obviously here we are right now, Michael and I are friends and we've never had anything toxic in our friendship. So yay. Look at us. Good for yeah, us. Fun. Look at us. Look at us. Go. A little Paul brother. Hey, look at us. One of my so dumb from stupid hot ones that I quote that all the time. But anyways, <laughs> my group of friends in high school that I'm just talking to you all about, I'm certain I said it. I'm certain that they, like, kind of knew. But, again, growing up in Florida, like, there wasn't a lot to do with your, like, you went to the beach. That's what you did. Like, if it was a weekend, once you got your license, like, everyone was just, like, let's drive to the beach. And we didn't have beach close to us. So I want to state that. Like, you have to drive, like, an hour to get to an actual good beach. Like, everyone thinks, like, you just walk out your back porch in Florida and there's the beach. But that's not the case if you live in Central Florida, which obviously is where, not where uh, I went to high school. But, um where my glenn and i live in or lived i still live in orlando central florida like it's a hike to a beach but anywho yeah. so it wasn't until i was in college and i wasn't hanging out with my high school friends all the time and i came like down to visit them or whatever they were all going to school in tampa and i came to visit them and they were saying something about like oh maybe tomorrow we will go to the beach and i was like i really don't like the beach and they were like what but you went with us all the time and i was like Because no one ever asked. And I'd rather hang out with my friends doing something I don't like and have friends than not, I was like, what would I have done? Like, sat by myself every weekend if I didn't go to the beach. And they were all like, oh. (laughs) And so, yeah, like, one day I was like, I've had it. I'm just going to be true to who I am. And I'm going to tell these people I don't like the beach. (laughs) And that's such a dumb thing. Like, that's so dumb. But, like, it took me years to tell my friends that I didn't like the beach.
1: (laughs) hmm yes I'm trying to exit my people-pleasing era at the moment and I am like it's hard it's hard to leave your people-pleasing era too because then you're like constantly thinking to yourself like am I being a selfish bitch yeah it's like no you're just no. you're just doing what you need to do to like take care of your own well-being but like the whole time you're like oh my god I just told this person no am I selfish
0: am I the worst person ever because I didn't want to do this thing and it's like no you just like have boundaries for yourself and that's normal and human and how everyone should be I think of that scene in I've got a movie reference for you all right now non-tv show reference for once but I always think because yeah sometimes I'm like wow I really like am being too much of people pleaser and you know like what's my identity or whatever And I always think of the movie Runaway Bride where she always, like all the different people that she's with, she always just orders eggs the way that they do. Because like she doesn't have her own identity. Like she dates this guy for a while. He falls in love with her. She thinks she falls in love with him. They get engaged, get married. And then she freaks out and runs away, right? Like that's the whole shick of the movie. And so when Richard Gere comes and he's like asking her, like, how do you like her? He realizes that she always just eats the eggs. And so when she finally decides to like, stop running stop like dating all these men and, and just like taking up their personalities she there's like this entire montage of her making eggs and like seeing which way she likes them and I like I think that's like so perfect like a great example of that of just being like there's yeah you're not being selfish you're not being a terrible person you're just trying to figure out how do you like your eggs cooked and there's nothing wrong with that
1: yeah yeah you know what I remember watching that scene and being like, oh my gosh, this is resonating with me and I totally forgot about it, so thank you for bringing that back to my life. <laughs> I should
0: yeah, watch that okay. movie again. Great movie, honestly. I, I would like to revisit it. It's been a long time since I've watched it. But yeah, I will always think of that, the, the, the how do you like your egg scene. So now here we are. She's just had this lovely chat with Mira and Michael and I are clearly in our feelings about it, but <laughs> she the last chance, and it's the end of the day, and she gets a phone call, and who is it but Josh, which I like that she says, it was a boy, a glance back at Norman, the only boy who might logically call me to see him sitting by the grill reading a book about Salvador Dali and eating french fries. Like, I like that she was like, is it Norman? Oh, no, it's not Norman. <laughs> like, she's like, he would call me. Who, what other boys do I know? So, yeah, so it's Josh from last night. Isabel keeps being like, don't give him your number. She's like whispering advice to her or whatever. Like, don't give him your number. Like play hard to get. And so she's like, oh, yeah, like I'll be back in town. I'll be back in Charlotte at like the end of August. Like maybe we can go see a movie then. And she's all like, you know, blushing and exciting. And the girls are proud of her for like handling the phone call really really, <laughs> really well. But our poor little Norman in the background is – um He's a little jealous, to say the least. And he's been stood up. And now she's on; she's taking phone calls at work from people. And I love Morgan and Isabel's energy in this scene because it is such, like, big sister energy when they're, like, you know, they're talking about Norman or whatever. And she tells her, like, oh, crap. Like, I was supposed to sit for a portrait and I totally forgot. And then, like, both of them are just, like, they stand up for him so much because she's kind of talking about josh and she says like i thought of josh with his easy good looks then if norman uneasy sleep under all those mobiles i mean he's kind of he's not really my type which of course like i love She like you don't know what your type is like you're 15 right. and you like have had crushes on boys so you don't like really have a type so then Isabel's like and what exactly is your type and she's like you know what i mean all the collecting he does and the sunglasses in his car i don't know he's just norman and basically she's saying like he's weird And it's like, you don't have any room to judge. And so that's kind of what Isabel says. And she's like, ah, hi, excuse me. Like when you came in here with your lip ring and your uneven hair color, and like, how dare you? Like, if you don't want people to judge you, why would you judge them? And it's just a nice little wake up call. And then I think that, you know, Coley was having this moment, a cute boy had caught her eye. And I think she now thinks about it and is like, oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) That is kind of- Yeah, I just love Isabel and Morgan in this scene. Just like instantly, big sister vibes. Like, excuse me, that's our Norman, and you will be nice to him. And I like that she's just like, he's the nicest, sweetest boy I've ever met. If you think he's not good enough for you, you must be better than any of us. And it's like, oh yeah, that's yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) I I like how um, Isabel is like no bullshit. She's like, she's like, look, Coley, don't let some cute guy make you forget yourself. And we've all fucking been there, have, have we not? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, Isabelle is a real one. She will not sugarcoat it. She might be kind of rude sometimes, but she is. She's not going to let you do anything stupid. She's going to bring you back to reality. And I appreciate that about Isabel. I think everyone needs an Isabelle.
0: Damn straight. I wish I had an Isabelle like when I was 15, sending these straight.
1: I did have a friend that used to set me straight, but I did not appreciate her like I should have.
0: Yeah, I feel like we never, we never do. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. 20 mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully, I was the youngest of three sisters. So with a lot of, like, boy stuff, I feel like I was set straight. Like, my sisters would be like, you're not going to stand for this. You're not going to do this. And boys are dumb. Like, they're so dumb. (laughs) And you just need to know that now. And, like, whatever they say and however they treat you, like, if they treat you poorly, that is. Like, they're dumb and they're wrong and you're right. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I think I probably was very good as far as, like, handling guys. I think it was more, like, girls. Um, Like, you know, people I thought were my friends who weren't my friends that I just, like, couldn't. Yeah, like, I wasn't good at handling that probably. And Isabel would have probably set me straight.
1: Yeah, Isabel would not have let me stay friends with that girl for as long as I did.
0: <laughs> uh, so then she's kind of asking, I love how Morgan is always, like, there for the scoop. She's kind of asking Morgan, like, what's Norman's deal? Which I love, of course, earlier she goes to Morgan about, like, what's Mira's deal? Kind of, like, why does everyone talk about Mira this way? Like, you know, what 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 should I think of her? So she goes to ask Morgan, kind of, like, what's, you know, what's his story and she's talking about Norm, which is his dad, and how he's a big deal in the town. You know, he has the the um, the car dealership or whatever. Here we go, everyone. TV show reference of the night. For anyone who watches Friday Night Lights, he's Buddy Garrity, right? Like, he's definitely the Buddy Garrity of the town. That's the vibe I get. That will only make sense if you've seen that show. But, yeah, like, you know he's on, like, the booster club for the school. He probably cares way too much about high school football. And... And yeah, he's he's on the tourism board or whatever.
1: My reference to this was Dan Scott from One Tree Hill.
0: Oh, that's another good reference. Yeah, why do they always why do they always own car dealerships? Yes, he's Buddy Garrity slash Dan Scott, one hundred percent. Except for a golden retriever probably doesn't eat his heart, his transplant heart,
1: like that. (laughs) That (laughs) show. Oh my God, that show just gets so off the freaking rails, but I love I every single second of it. And then it's like the last season comes and Nathan has been kidnapped by like the Russian mob for like yes. trying to get a kid from to play basketball. Like it is the most insane shit ever. And I love every single second,
0: every when single second. When you think about how that show started and it's like such a simple story of like, Two half brothers, both trying to play for the same basketball team, shitty family histories all around on both sides, normal teenage stuff, right? And to where that show ended, it's wild. Did I watch it from start to finish, though? Sure as hell did. Did I love every minute of that roller coaster? Also, yes.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Me and Andrew watched that. Me and Andrew watched that for the first time during the pandemic. And we were like, I started watching it and Andrew was like, I'm not going to. Not gonna watch it. And you know? then he that's, got that's hooked. Cute. And then it's like every two seconds he's like, wait, what's that going on? Wait, what's going on? And then we ended up just watching the whole entire thing together and we talk about it all the time. That kind of happened to
0: my brother-in-law, Denver, because my sister. So funny, like a guy's perspective as opposed to ours, like his favorite characters are like so not our favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> like he loves skills. Like that's his favorite character. <laughs> like anytime skills was on screen, he was like, ah oh, skills, that's my boy. Um, and I was like, that, again, like I love skills, but I would not count him as like my favorite character, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's just so funny, like his perspective on certain things, but yeah, we drag him to Wilmington every other year and we've been going for so long when we used to go, they were still filming. So there would still be like, Karen's cafe was set up and all of that. And we would go by and be like, Oh um, and he'd be like, I don't know what any of this is. And then he like, he kind of got hooked and he'd be like, oh, I get that reference now. I understand. I'm, I'm all understand jealous. Excited about that thing. But, oh, tree hill. Seriously. What? Like, what a ride.
1: What a ride. Right. What a it crazy really show. It really was.
0: But so, so good at the same time. But yes, very much Jan Scott slash Buddy Garrity energy for sure. She's telling all about how Dan Scott, you know, Norm is a dick. And again, he's it's very like we were saying the other day, like Disney Channel original movie where he's like, I just want to be an artist dad. I don't want to follow your footsteps. And his dad was like, I ain't paying for it then. And that's how he ends up with Mira. So she goes outside to talk to him. And he's kind of giving her the cold shoulder, which rightfully so because she stood him up and then she's asking him, like, oh, you know, can I get another chance? And he's like, you know what? It's a big commitment. Like, I shouldn't have asked. Like, it's not going to be a one-time thing. It's going to be many, you know, sittings. Like, I don't know. And so she's kind of like, you know, I'm not going to beg the guy. Like, he's clearly hurt. I'm, I'm not going to add insult to injury. But, you know, she's like, you know, I've got, I've got time. And so he's kind of, mm, kind of humming and hawing. He inevitably agrees. But then I love this. He's like, uh, the hot chocolate, though, is like off the table. Like, that was a one-time deal. <laughs> You've missed your opportunity on that. But I will, I will do the, the, the portrait. And so she's like, oh, okay, you know, that's fair. So I enjoyed that whole uh, conversation. And then, yeah, they start the portrait, which kind of consumes a lot of her next, like, month in life and also, like, a good chunk of the rest of this book. But in a good
1: way, I would say. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah, they end up spending a lot of time together. And he's doing... He's painting. And she's kind of realizing that she's, like, might be into him a little bit. She's, like, putting her bullshit aside to be like, wait a second. I really this guy. And... So, maybe he's all right. Then we kind of see... I know, it might be... Oh, Yeah. So then we kind of get the first signs of some some big norm stuff. Uh the phone rings every day at the same time. And you know it's nineteen ninety-nine because it's a rotary phone, not a cell phone. And with an answering machine. So good. With an answering machine that you can hear out loud. Um and you know, the person never says anything, they just clear their throat and they just keep going. And Norman is like, I'm not answering it and I'm not talking about it. So Get over it. Not happening. Yep. Which I do like, you know, they both respect each other enough that
0: he's like, you know, aren't there things that you don't want to talk about? And she's like, yep, you're right. And she really does try to be respectful of that. He doesn't make her talk about anything she doesn't want to. They just have their little moments sitting there. She keeps kind of also pestering him to see it. And he's like, no, not until the end. Like, I'll show you when it's done. You don't get to see the work in progress. Um, I also love, and this is like such a Kind of like artist cliche, but I was like, yes. Yeah. So that when she first kind of starts crushing on him, it's like seeing his hands at work and whatever. But I was also like, yeah, artists do. Artists and musicians always do have good hands, which I guess musicians is another form of art. Um, but just speaking, I mean, usually if you're like a piano player, or a guitar player, like you kind of do have to have like long fingers. <laughs> so like, yeah, be good at playing those instruments. Um, but yeah, so artist hands—they're always so like, mm, yes, yeah, he is making his art. How hot. And, of course, like, when she really kind of first starts realizing she might, like, be into him is when he, like, goes over to her and, like, tucks her, you know, hair behind her ear, which, again, is, like, such a cliche, but also sucker for it. I'm a sucker for that and forehead kisses. And, again, forehead kisses mostly because Pacey Witter girl till I die. And Pacey Witter used to always give the best forehead kisses on Dotson's Creek. And it always made me want a boy to do that. and i i have a boy who does that so that's very (laughs) cool love i love
1: it i love love
0: i also like it she's like when we weren't arguing about the phone we listened to music um and then she was like uh to my horror i was beginning to appreciate his hippie bands (laughs) and then she also like starts introducing him to the like kiki infomercials so like the butt master and all of that and i just think that's really funny like this teenage boy like just being in a room trying to do his art and this girl is like showing his like her mother's infomercials i don't know that's very funny
1: and he's into it and he's like he she really loves what she's she does you can really tell yes that is very true oh, yeah. i love
0: this exchange on page 189 so again it's kind of just like she's going talking about the phone calls and the infomercials and the spending the time with him and um he's talking about the fact that she looks like her mom because now that he's like watching these infomercials um he's saying that like basically he's like uh he says like your face is just like hers heart shaped and the way you hold your hands when you talk right at the waist and the way you smile and she's like, I don't smile like that. And so then he's explaining to her that she does. And then I love this part. He says, You know, he went on, I think I knew you for about three weeks before I ever really saw you smile. And then one day Morgan said something and you laughed. And I remember thinking it was really cool because it meant something. You're not the kind of person who smile who smiles for nothing, Coldly. I have to earn everyone. And I just love that A. It's like very sweet that he like recognized that in her. Um and also, I, I just like, I like the way he's kind of seeing her and helping her see herself that way. Like, because again, she thinks her mom is like the strong, confident person. And she has this great smile. And she's like, I don't like I don't have any like kind of good smile. And the fact that he's like, you really have to earn everyone like you don't just give away a smile for nothing. And I was like, Oh, I love that. Like, <laughs> what a what a like nice thing to notice about someone and to tell someone and I just, I thought that was great.
1: That is really great.
0: I also thought that it's become tradition, her and Mira having the cereal, which as I was reading it, like every time she talks about that and, you know, they read horoscopes or whatever. And I was like, oh, how cute. And then all I could think of was, and you know, this is how Coley is a Gen Xer and not a millennial, because as millennials,
1: we killed the cereal industry, apparently. (laughs) Well, cereal is low-key <laughs> fucking terrible for you. So,
0: <laughs> And again, who has the time? Like, they're, I don't know. I just want to, I mean, I do eat cereal still sometimes, but, like, never really for breakfast. I, like, eat it as a snack.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, who eats breakfast? No yeah, one. honestly, no one.
0: Millennials killed breakfast, but we love brunch. <laughs> so, yeah, every time I read them having breakfast, I just think, hmm. Typical Gen Xer. Gen-, <laughs> Gen Xer and a boomer having breakfast. We would never.
1: <laughs> Millennials um, would never.
0: So, yeah, so that just kind of cracks me up. But basically, they're having their breakfast. She says it's coming. And it's, which I like that when she points to the paper, Coley, this is again, as much as the last few chapters of this book are very emotional and get right at your heartstrings. I also had like a laugh out loud moment in each chapter. Like they're very like weird, funny parts. And this one was about the, she, you know, slides the newspaper over and it's like local man grows, biggest tomato on that biggest tomato on record. The headline said, and Coley's like, I don't understand. I said, tomatoes, <laughs> like tomatoes are coming. <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> um, and this, of course, is when she explains that there's going to be a full lunar eclipse coming. And this is where we get... I mean, it's a, a page or so later. But we get the the name drop of the novel here. And Norman basically is explaining the last lunar eclipse. He was little. He went camping in the backyard, essentially. Again, not us. We were not campers. Uh, but he went camping in the backyard to see the lunar eclipse. The other, his brother, fell asleep. He was the only one that was awake for it. And he said... you know he went inside he was freaking out because he thought that the moon was like gone so he went inside to explain it to his parents and he said um i was saying norman said looking outside that they took the moon they were keeping the moon and i was like there we go that's how we get our title and i've also decided now i think it's like a fun little game to kind of uh establish who's the person who says it each time so in the first novel it's not like specifically said, but I guess every time they reference that summer, it's from Haven. So I guess Haven gets the title drop in that one. And as someone like you, Scarlet, is the one who gets the title drop. And it's in oh, the most perfect thing. And it's about Hallie, and It's just an adorable friendship moment. And now Norman gets the high honor of being the Keeping the Moon name drop. So there you go. That's been name drops so far in Saradesan land.
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: Sarah land good old sarah land yeah obviously it came back Uh, i also did want to point out before we get to chapter 13 i like this last little bit here on page 193 um and this is again another from norman he says "Hmm, but it's strange he went on when you've always been told something is true like the moon will come back you need proof and while you wait, you feel the entire balance of your world just tipping. It's crazy. But when it's over, it does come back. That's the best because it's all you want. Everything narrows to just that. It's this great rush. Like for that one second, everything's okay with the world again. It's amazing. And I just thought that was kind of beautiful and kind of sums up, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things that Coley has been going through in this novel. <laughs> Number 13. Yes. Are we ready? Uh, second week of August, two days before Mirror's eclipse, when Morgan came to work with a plan. And so this is when she essentially decides that she's going to go to the dirt to Durham to surprise Mark. Couple things here with this, okay, because the next page or so is just them discussing what the plan is, which apparently is she's gonna go to Durham because they're playing the Bulls. And that's the first thing. I just wanna shout out the Durham Bulls, who I love. They're my favorite minor league team in all of America. And I have actually, I've spent a 4th of July, Sarah Dustin's favorite holiday, uh, with the Durham Bulls once, And they did a nice firework display. And it's the most American I've ever felt on a minor league baseball team in Durham, North Carolina. Also, Bull Durham. Great movie. The stadium where they filmed that, which was the Durham Bulls original stadium, um, it does still exist. But they don't use it anymore because they have a much fancier one. But I did see that. It is lovely. I've driven by that before uh Durham North Carolina I love it my dear friend Kristen shout I get she she gets a shout out like once an episode because she's one of my dear friends and she is a fan of the show um that is where she resides it is a lovely place I love it they have a great uh cider place and also where the Duffer Brothers are from and I love them so just wanted to shout out Durham North Carolina um Yeah. Kristen's such a good friend and she knows so much of those stranger things that last time I went to visit her, she's like, do you want to drive by their high school? And I'm like, kind of. <laughs> like, like, is that uh, weird? Yeah. Maybe, but I don't care. I <laughs> so yeah. And know. also of course, Durham is only like 20 minutes down the road from Chapel Hill, which of course is where the one and only amazing Sarah Destin resides. So anywho, love the Durham Bull shout out. Second of all, they're going to go to Dillon, South Carolina because they do weddings there. Do they not do weddings in Durham? Because I've been to Durham and I've seen people get
1: married. So I'd, I didn't understand that. Does Durham not have a yeah, courthouse? They did. I was going to Google <laughs> it because it's like maybe they do. Like maybe it's some sort of like Vegas type thing where you can get. Right. Like because normally Exciting you have to like apply year, for know. your marriage license and it takes like a couple yeah. of days and then like all that shit. But where is it like with this situation? It looks like you can just do it and get married the next day. So, yeah, it must be some kind
0: of expedited process. And I've never been to Dillon, South Carolina. I know it does exist because I have driven by signs for it on I-95 on my way to North Carolina many times. And the only reason it sticks out to me is because of my love for Friday Night Lights, which takes place in a fictional town of Dillon, Texas. So every time we pass by Dillon, South Carolina, I'm like, oh, Dillon. But I, yeah, what does Dillon have? Is it like a Vegas where you just go have expedited weddings? I don't know, Mm. but I was very happy that on this page there was both a Durham, North Carolina, and a Dillon, South Carolina shout-out, because I was like, I know both of those places.
1: (laughs) I am looking at the Google Maps view of the middle of Dillon, and it looks like just any other place. so
0: So weird. I wonder why it was chosen as... I don't know. They do weddings there, apparently, apparently. Which is... Wild. Another thing that's wild when they're talking about all of this, which of course Isabel is like, this is a bad plan. Morgan is all like, we've been engaged for almost six months, which I understand that a lot of people do not have long engagements. I guess, like, I don't know. Can't relate. Can't relate. <laughs> Can't imagine having like planned something at the note. I was like, Ugh, six mo- uh, six months, almost six months. So it hasn't even officially been six months. And I'm like, girl, slow your roll. Okay. First of all, Mark's a douchebag. Second of all, it's only been six months. You can, you can wait a little bit longer until you marry him. Yep. Yeah, thought that was crazy. <sighs> so then, basically, that's the whole conversation. At the beginning, it's just like she's going to surprise Mark in Durham. Isabel's like, this is not a good idea. She's gonna do it. Uh, she's like, wish me luck. Coley wishes her luck. She's on her way out of the last chance. And then basically, we the next scene we get to here is she's being woken up by Norman. She fell asleep while he was finishing his uh, drawing, essentially. And the the phone rings again. And this is kind of, you know, she sits there every night while the phone rings and it goes to voicemail. So finally, she's like, I can't stand this. And he's like, you want me to answer that? Which is kind of like, yeah, she's wanted that all along. But again, you shouldn't do it just because she wants you to, Norman. But you know, so she's like, yeah, yeah, I do. So he finally answers the phone. And of course the phone call does not go well. And then she kind of feels terrible, but he, you know, talks to his dad, which I does. I do love that. He's like, you're the one who calls every night, man. Like I'm not the one doing that. If that's you. So they have kind of, you know, a little bit of a fraught phone conversation. And that is kind of what ends up having Coley open up to Norman. And she kind of tells him everything about, you know like her struggles and how everyone hates her back home and everyone thinks she's a slut and um all that kind of stuff and he just kind of sits there and he's telling her like you know you don't have to tell me any of this and she tells him that you know he's the only one that she's ever wanted to tell and um and so then yeah she kind of ends it with that's the real me Norman I mean not that I did those things because I didn't but to them I was always a slut still a slut And yeah, so she tells him that and then the thing that really makes me sad here in the middle of page 201, she just like, pours her heart out to Norman and tells him all of this. And of course, he's just, you know, he's there for her. And he's, you know, he told her she didn't have to say anything or whatever. But of course, you know, she she wanted to. Um, She says they didn't care about what it did to me. I said, it almost killed me. And at no point has we really ever heard that yet. Like I know she had a really hard time and we saw in elementary school that she, you know, obviously used to binge eat and then throw things up and stuff. But that line just was like, whoa, like that came out of nowhere for me. And I 100% see that I could have gone down that path, but we haven't like officially been told that yet. So when she said that here, I was like, yeah, damn, that's terrible. And also just makes me like, Like, I know she's a fictional character, but still, I was, like, when I read that line, I was, like, I'm so happy she went to Colby and, like, saw that there's a better way and that, like, that didn't take her down because, again, not to get on, like, my high horse here and give a whole, like, it gets better speech, but, like, if this doesn't prove that to you, like, in two months, like, all year she was miserable and then she goes away for the summer and has such a better you know, support system and such a better time. And she finds friendships and she even finds a boy that she likes. And it's like, yeah, man, like just hold on because you don't know what's coming around the corner, you know? And like, I don't know, just wow.
1: Mm-hmm. As, as good Charlotte says, hold on when you feel like letting go. Um, this line really got me as well. This whole, this scene right here, this was like another, another scene that really got me in my feels. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you do just reach that point where you're like, these people don't care about what this is doing to me. Like, this is killing me. This is making me feel like I shouldn't be alive anymore. And um, it's, it's terrible. But he says, but it didn't. You knew the truth all along, Coley. That's all that matters. You knew. And it's like, you know, he's putting that power back into her hands. She's been feeling so powerless this whole time. And, you know, Isabel and Mira well, Mira, like, in her own way. But Isabella and Norman directly are like, no, the power belongs to you, not these people. You you, you know who you are. You know what's true. Fuck these people. And oh, 100%. I, I love to see that.
0: Yeah, and I love this next bit. She just kind of... I, I thought that was, like, such a perfect response because, like, you know, like they were having a very heavy moment. Like, she just saw him... to talk to his dad which is such a traumatic thing for him and then she unleashes her trauma and it is like what do you say to that you know and i just thought that that was such a perfect response like he was like it didn't you know like you're still here you knew you always knew and i was just like yeah exactly like the power like you were saying like does fall with you like no matter what people say like what is that quote whatever people attribute it to eleanor roosevelt is it eleanor roosevelt you know people always miscontribute things i think it is her though like no one can make you feel inferior without your consent and it's like yeah like exactly and i think of that all the time when like someone does kind of start to get under my skin i'm like no no i don't consent no i'm good like you can't make me feel like crap unless i say you can make me feel like you know what i mean it's a two-way street and so yeah Mm -hmm. i i love that he was like you knew um so that yeah so she kind of you know, she's like the last year setting her mind. She thinks about Chase Mercer. She thinks about Carolyn Dawes. She thinks about the man at the tattoo place, her mother sitting across from me at the dinner table in a brand new house, pleading for me to tell her what was wrong. My own angry face reflected back at me as I stared out the train window, pulling into Colby, the last place I wanted to be, which again, it's like the last place she wanted to be is like the place that saves her. And it's just like, oh. And then she says, um... You know, sitting in Norman's universe, it all began to swirl faster and faster. I felt my fingers tightening, holding on. Let it go. I heard Isabelle say in my head, let it go. And then that's essentially what she does. You know, she says, I gripped the chair harder, closing my eyes. Norman was right. I had known it all along. And I'd carried that truth near my heart, shielding the most tender part of me. Let it go. I heard a voice whisper in my head. Maybe it was Isabelle again, still teaching, or my mother, willing her miracles, Mira or Morgan urging me on, or Norman taking that truth like the gift it was. Or maybe it was my own voice, silent all this time, but no longer. Oh, so powerful. Let it go. And just like that, I did. (sighs) Sarah Desmond, once again. mm -hmm. God, like, what beauty that is. Like, that's just fantastic. That's so good. Yeah.
1: Absolutely beautiful.
0: (laughs) And then... then after they have that like really nice touching moment, we have a portrait of reveal, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, we should get back to that." And he's like, "Yeah, I finished it while you were asleep." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh my god! Like, why didn't you wake me up?" And he's like, "You look like you were having a nice dream, you know." And she's like, "Oh." Um, so of course she's like, "Okay, for the love of God, let me see this." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I, like, we have to do a proper reveal. So like, you should come over for dinner." and Mm -hmm. she's like yeah i'll be here and there we go they've they're gonna go on a little date yeah they are oh cute and then here we go mike land break it break it down for us what what commotion do they hear outside (sighs)
1: so they she starts walking out of the the place and all of a sudden Oh, suddenly I saw lights coming down the road. Fast. I heard the car before I saw it. Gravel crunching and rattling underneath as it got closer. And basically what happens is Morgan gets out of the car, doesn't even shut it off, just is a mess. Her skirt is ripped. She's all dirty. She's wearing some dirty lay, which I was like have to want waiting to. For like an explanation on like why it looks like she got into a physical altercation but that never comes yeah. um also where the leg come from where Very did the up. leg come from so many uh, questions so many questions but basically morgan went to go surprise mark and he had another woman in his bed in his hotel room and not only was it just another woman it was his wife and she is pregnant Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Morgan kind of has, like, a full meltdown and is kind of putting all of her anger onto Isabel. Yep. And she's saying, she's basically like, I, I don't want you near me. You are right. You get to say congratulations. And she's kind of just absolutely losing it. And she yep. goes and slams the door and into the bedroom and... Coley is sitting there, you know, waiting for Morgan to come out, trying to help. And eventually Isabel just told, tells her to go home. And she tells her, oh, guess what? I am I have a date tomorrow with Norman. And Isabel says, oh, come here first. I'll help you get ready. And so then Isabel, I mean, Coley leaves to go back to Mira's to go to bed. And she walks into Mira's room. Mira is asleep with her um, walkman on yeah and she goes and takes it off of her and she decides to listen to what Mira's is listening to and it is kiki sparks and it says the tape is saying if you try anything my mother went on her voice building if you try to lose weight or to improve yourself or to love or to make the world a better place you have already achieved something wonderful before you even begin forget failure if things don't work out the way you want, hold your head up high and be proud and try again and again and again. And, oh uh, man, that one kind of just got me right now too. I was like, am I going to make it through this paragraph? I don't know. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I got a little weepy over here. Uh,
1: uh, if every, is,
0: you know, what is it? Uh You know, 28 days, you know, so every like third Podcast, I guess, goes in about twenty eight days. We're even more emotional than usual. You all know <laughs> yeah. yeah The hormones, are just things are happening. And Sarah Dessen just writes these really beautiful novels,
1: and it's just really hard sometimes. Okay, she just she just like knows where to hit you, and it's like there is such this. You know, we live in a capitalist society, and. We put a lot of emphasis on failure and it's really draining because you feel like, you know, people who get divorced feel like they failed or people who, you know, get fired feel like they feel like they failed. And it's like in neither of those situations are you failing. You know, marriage doesn't have to be forever and that's OK. And um, if you, everyone gets fired, most of the you know people get fired all the time. I got Spirit. fired. Um, and it's like people the, get fired for the dumbest stuff all the time, all the time. <laughs> like, don't I fucking know <laughs> it? We're not gonna get my last started on that. Don't get me started on that. We can't <laughs> anyway. Maybe in a few months we can tell you guys that yeah, story, we'll but we'll not now. That. Um, but I mean, yeah, you're like, oh, you know, especially I know from my experience, I've been like so obsessed with failure and like my self-worth is connected to it. And it's like, you're never a failure. If you try, you're never a failure. If you are going out there with good intentions and doing your best And that's even if your best is just getting out of bed to shower and then get right back into bed for the whole day, you're still not a failure, you know? And yes, I just really 100%. (sighs)
0: Yeah. I think there's people don't get enough Credit for just like existing every day yes like clear are certain days again like with packing up my apartment like the other day I was off and I slept in and you know I'd been going going at, at work I would work all day come home and pack and I was like this is my day off I can really get some packing done and I got like not nearly what I wanted to get done like I didn't start doing it until like mid to late afternoon and I like I felt like a failure and I was like no, like your body needs rest. And I've been working really hard all week. And like, I still got something done today. Like, Mm
1: -hmm. I woke
0: up and I walked my dog and I fed her and I fed myself and I got some packing done. Like I existed today and I tried and I
1: succeeded. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You're like, I fed myself. And that is really...
0: That's something,
1: you know. It like really
0: is something. People, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't give give ourselves enough credit for existing every day in a really, really scary tumultuous, tumultuous. That's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> we're,
1: we're struggling here at the end of this episode. Today
0: I was talking about how the other day. I could say, and I still can't say, it, anonymity. Like, why can't I say that word? I don't know non-amidity. why. And I was like. Man, I really struggled when I was reading that Norman quote, and I still can't see it. But anyways, it's trying times. We're both tired, (laughs) and we can't even talk. And I'm proud of it. You know what? Us getting through this podcast today, that's our success story of the day. Chapter 14. Let's dive in, shall we? Uh, The next morning, basically um, Norman and her are the only people that show up for work, which again, is just like so unfathomable to be as someone who's worked in more like corporate America restaurants, I guess. I've never worked in a mom and pop. Um, But I was like, yeah, I guess there would be a time where only one cook and one like server would show up and you're, you know, the pub that you worked at in New York and you were like, there was eight whole employees. And I was like, that's wild.
1: Yeah, There was like days in the winter where um, I was the only server. There was no bartender. It was just me and one other person in the kitchen. That's it. And I so would wild just to me.
0: run the whole place. And it was like, and, you're like, and it was fine. Like, I mean, yeah. it was totally okay. So yeah, I was like, that's just crazy to me. So now the ones who show up to work, which obviously because Morgan and Isabel are like going through it right now. So when she gets home, um, again, this is the big, this is Mira's big day of the moon. But anyways, when she gets home, she's listening to Isabel talk to Mira. She's kind of gone over there for, I think a little bit of support, you know, she's alone and, and, you know, Morgan won't talk to her and also just maybe for a little bit of advice. And so, you know, Mira is saying like her heart is broken. You're just going to have to write it out. Like she's taking it out on you because you're there. And, you know, she knows that you obviously like, which is so true. Like we all do that. Like the person, like, if you've like had a frustrating day at work and you like come home and you like take it out on your spouse sometimes. Cause it's like, you love me and I know you're going to love me and I can't yell at my boss at work, but I can yell at you. And it's so not fair, but like as human beings, we all do it. So that's 100% what Morgan is doing. Like she is super, super hurt. And Isabel is there. And she knows that Isabel is always going to love her. And it's easier to yell at her than the person she is actually mad at. Um, this entire exchange though, where basically Mira is like, you should give her a card is just absolutely <laughs> one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so it's so, so good. But yeah, but basically, uh, Marisa, just finishing off the the stuff, like, you know, she's like Isabel saying like blame Mark and, and whatnot. And she's like, I didn't want to be right. Isabel protested. I just didn't want her to get hurt, which I think is, is the hard thing. Um, you know, we were saying earlier, we, we could see both sides because we've been both Morgan and Isabel and in, in this situation, and, and that's the thing, is it's, like, Isabel was, like, oh, I wasn't saying all this stuff all along because I wanted to be right about it. Like, I just don't want my friend to be hurt. Um uh, yeah, here we go. She's going to – she's, like, give her a card. And then Isabel's, like, he's not dead. And um, er, she said – or, er, sorry, Coley says that he's not dead. And I love this. Isabel's, like, he should be. Isabel said darkly, which, like, yes, queen. <laughs> But Mira's like, no, 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 give him one anyways. So then this one is so great. Um, okay, where is it here? Oh, here. There comes a time when we almost accept the loss of someone who may not have been truly real, but was very real in our hearts. I know this loss affects you in a way some might not understand, but as your friend, I do. And I'm so sorry. Dead soap opera character, Mira said. <laughs> and I love that. I love that she made a card for that. And also... I really wish I could have gotten that card because as I started this episode literally talking about the death of Jack Pearson and how it affects me I needed a card after Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> like I wish we would be like listen I understand you're going through a time right <laughs>
1: yeah I needed one of these cards when Fred Weasley died
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes 100% fictional characters do mean a lot and I love that Mir has even thought of them and mixed dead soap opera card. That's oh my god, it's so good. This entire exchange is just like dead ex-husband, d- uh, dead former flame, and as well as like these are all too nice. And so then they finally decide to make their own like a new card, basically for heartbreak, and uh, and they kind of all concoct it together, which I think is really great.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really like the card. The card ends up saying. I am sorry for your broken heart. But he was a rotting, rotten, cheating, rat bastard, and you deserve better. And as your friend, I want you to know that I love you and I know you can get through this.
0: It's honestly, honestly, so good. So good. We should take so let's bring cards back because greeting cards have kind of gone out of fashion and they should be about things like that. About like an asshole and things that working out with this asshole. That's great. Heartbreak, and they decide that they're going to name these Heartbreak Diet, which I love. And she's like, that's what I'll call it. I'll make millions. And it's like, yeah, 100%. That's fantastic. Uh, So here we are. It's around 8 o'clock, and it's almost time for the big date. Um, Isabel and Morgan are still, like, going through it. And Coley's just like, hi, I need someone to, like, help me get ready. And you promised that you would, essentially. And she's like, what am I going to do? I can't just go like this. And Isabel says, of course you can. She said, you're beautiful, Coley. Um, And so, you know, that, like, makes her very self-conscious because she's like, you know what? Like, people used to tell me that all the time. And they, like, didn't mean it, you know? And so she says... it's true. It was like talking about like how, you know, she's beautiful. And she's like, it's like the hidden secret that no one tells you we can all be beautiful girls. Coley. It's so easy. It's like Dorothy clicking her heels to go home. You could do it all along. And it's like, yes, exactly. Like you, you had it all along. You just like needed to have it in your head that you were That's once you get the self-confidence it's there.
1: This definitely remains my favorite Sarah book. This it's is so just, it's just so good. This is just so good. So good. It's got, uh, yes, it's everything. So then
0: now it's time for the dinner, which I love the dinner because he makes it all moon food in honor of the eclipse. And listen, I wrote a note here and I put, I love a theme.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I My love theme. a theme. I love a theme. I'm like a
0: Norman. Adorable. This is adorable. Also he has, um, they started with, Cheese quiches to start. So you have your cow, the dish, and the spoon. Then salad with blue cheese dressing, which as kids we all knew came from the moon. And fresh fish from the river on the sound side. The municas. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. um A stretch, he said, but he'd run out of ideas. And finally, moon pies for dessert.
1: Love that. Adorable. And I love moon pies.
0: Yes. So, yeah, they have a whole little uh, moment. And then she asked him, oh, she'd been staring at this picture um, that he had part of his sunglass series. And it's his dad from when he first opened his car dealership. He did not pose for him. It was a photograph. And he just, like, loved it. Um, And so she's kind of, like, complimenting him on that. And then she's all, like, you know, growing impatient. She's been waiting to see this painting. Like, are you ever going to show me and he says that he's, he says she's impatient and, uh, so yeah. So he finally, he, uh, gives her a bandana cause he's all about the ceremony, which again, love that, <laughs> love, a good, love a good, uh, you know, I love the pageantry. Um, she pulls out the blindfold and then she finally gets to see it. And I love this exchange. Um, She's like, oh my God, I said to Norman, reaching forward to touch the painting, which still didn't seem real. My own face, bumpy and textured beneath my fingers, stared back at me. Is this how you see me? Coley, he was right beside me. That's how you are.
1: Oh, Norman. I, oh my God, Norman, what a sweet little gem you are. Love him.
0: So yeah, so there's her, her photo and, or her portrait, I should say. And they kiss, and it's adorable, and we love that. And as they were kissing, they suddenly hear music. And uh, at first she thinks it's Isabelle, and then she realizes that it can't be Isabelle because she's out with Frank. And it's Morgan. She's put on some disco, I Will Survive to be exact, and she's dancing it out.
1: She is she is basically like i've been going absolutely crazy i cannot do this anymore i just need to get this energy out of me and she pulls coley in and she's like you have to dance with me you are my friend you have to do it and even though you know coley has all of that trauma with that central middle school dance she says i owed morgan so i closed my eyes and i let her pull me into the middle of the room into the music I told myself I wouldn't think about that cafeteria at Central Middle. When I danced, and I did, I thought only of that girl sitting on the back stoop of The Last Chance and her sunglasses and her lip ring. She wouldn't be afraid to dance, and neither was I. And of course, she's referencing the, the portrait of herself. And this bitch. Amazing. And then Isabel comes home, and they start dancing, and they kind of make up. So Norman, Isabel, Morgan, and are all dancing and Isabel's dead of a date leaves because he's like nah <laughs> no thanks and it is just a really a nice moment a little healing circle of dance
0: yes dance it out baby
1: mm-hmm. and then chapter
0: 15 the last one here we go very short chapter it's only like two pages okay like four pages but still
1: <laughs> yeah it's are. very short but basically
0: yeah.
1: it's twelve fifteen and they all go outside to meet Mira to look at the eclipse. And she they are all standing together, and this is when we find out that, that picture of Isabel of that picture of Isabel's cousin is in fact Isabel, yeah. which of course we knew that this whole time. Um yeah. so that's kind of like you know, Isabel was also kind of a dork glasses which dork that's such a 1999 word too right (laughs) um (laughs) Um, and it's so nice and then they get all together and mira says okay you can start now which that just makes me want to cry did you cry reading that i know it's like such an (laughs) innocuous line like it
0: like, she's talking, like, she's being near and being, like, oh, the moon. But it's just, like, like, Coley. Like, okay, like, you can start now. Like, your life officially starts now. Like, everything that was in the past, you let it go. And, like, this is you from here on out. And I just was, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting all emotional. I was, like, whatever, four words had me, like, in tears the other night reading this. <laughs> it
1: was. It's just, uh she says, as we stood there, taking it, watching it be taken bit by bit, I looked across the faces of all these people who meant so much to me. Two months ago, when the trade pulled into Colby, the thought that I would be who I was now seemed impossible. As impossible, in fact, as keeping the moon. It's so good. It's so good. These people have just like brought her back to life. So the eclipse starts and Norman's holding her hand and she's like she's realizing now how scared he must have been all those years ago in his sleeping bag in his backyard because it is so hard in any life to believe in what you can't fully understand. So I look down the line at all my friends knowing I would always remember this and then I turn my gaze back up to the sky and put my faith in that moon and its return.
0: The end. We've done it. We're another, we're another book in, another absolutely phenomenal book, another thing we had way too much to say about in 20 tangents later. <laughs> I feel like every book I love more and more. Like someone like you, which I realized I had not read, just absolutely grasped my heart. Keeping the Moon was an oldie and a goodie. I had read this one before, but it had been probably a decade since the last time I did a reread, and it was so nice to revisit. I forgot just how great this one is. Um. yeah this was just it was honestly phenomenal and I'm both very much looking forward to dreading the emotional turmoil that is coming up in the new year so oh, hope yeah. everyone enjoys their holiday season because we're coming in fresh for the new year with Dreamland Jesus we Christ sure are.
1: everybody up your uh, antidepressants because yeah. it's going to be triggering there will probably be trigger warnings on every episode yes yeah,
0: there, there definitely will be for those. It's going to be a time. Again, yeah. I it's been a while since I've read that one because it is so just like difficult. But I just remember it being very beautiful. And I'm super, yeah. super excited to dive back into it. But I'm also just like, oh, man, I can't wait to read that one around the holidays. <laughs> <Gina>. <laughs> Nothing says Christmas cheer. Uh, before we wrap up today, I just wanted to say, obviously, this is the book all about the service industry. You're going to hear Michaela and I talk probably uh, nauseum about the service industry because it's something that the two of us have worked in for a very long time, and it's where the two of us met. And so, of course, that's another reason why keeping the moon and just like the female friendships that are brought out in restaurants means so much to us. Obviously, this one this one hit close to home, so to speak. But uh, we promised last week that we might come back with some more serving stories. I have a bunch of like. Crazy ones, but I'm going to tell two more like two stories that are more lighthearted because we just ended on such a like happy, hopeful note. And I want to end this, our last episode of 2022. Because again, we're coming back with an emotional punch to start the new year. So I want to end this year on a more happy, hopeful note. One is just kind of a funny story. And this goes back to my Applebee's days when I was hosting. Of course, like many people in front of house work in the service industry, started as a host at Applebee's and worked there for hosting for a little bit, worked my way up, right? Anywho, one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in my life, like I want it on a t-shirt. I love it. I quote it to this day. And this happened like, I don't know, forever ago at this point, probably like over 10 years ago now at this point is when I heard that, which makes me feel really old, but that's not the point. Anywho. So there I was. It was late. Applebee's, of course, open super late. And I hear this mother coming in with her three-year-old, which it's like way past this three-year-old's bedtime But whatever. I'm not here to judge you Do you, mama. And she comes in. And of course, Applebee's colors are green and red. And so the kid sees like this neon sign of green and red out in the parking lot. And it's just like, um, anyway, so it's like, mommy, mommy, look, it's Christmas. And the mom, just, like, without missing a beat, goes, say no damn Christmas. It's Applebee's.
1: <laughs>
0: and that, because, again, like, all of us that worked of Applebee's are like, oh, my God, it's Applebee's. Like, we knew where we were, you know? And so I told everyone that that night that worked and it just like took on a life of own. and people would be like, Bethany, Bethany, tell the story. And so I'd be like, this ain't no damn Christmas. This is Applebee's. And it was like <laughs> the quote of like my crew that works at Applebee's because we thought it was the funniest thing. We're like, if that doesn't sum it up. So that's just like my little funny story. Um, my other one is, again, not only do you build like really good relationships um, with your coworkers when you work in the service industry, but Sometimes you do build really good relationships with the people that you serve, your guests. And this happens to be my story of a couple of guests that have meant a lot to me over the last few years and a really sweet reunion we had actually just a couple of weeks ago. How these guests that come in they don't know what this podcast exists. So I'm going to call them by name. And also I'm only going to say lovely things about them. Tim and Nicole are their names. And the very first time they ever sat down at my table, um, Nicole, the wife, was like, Hi, my husband has like very severe celiac, like super, super allergic to gluten. Like, he cannot have gluten. And I was like, You are in good hands. My mom has celiac. I totally understand. We take allergies super seriously here. I'm going to bring my chef over to the table. We've got you covered. I went and brought them new condiments just because, again, Eric in Orlando, there are children. You never know what they're doing with those. Like, I. I can't guarantee you that our ketchup bottle has not been smeared all over a burger bun, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to bring you brand new condiments. Like I'm not messing around. And I was, you know, just talking to them and telling them other places they could go and eat in Orlando that might be good for them, that I have taken my mom, my own personal mom. I trust it. If it's good (laughs) enough for my mom, you know, it's good enough for anyone. I love my mom. I would never want to make her sick, you know? And we just had the most wonderful time. And so they came back a couple of days later. They were like, we want Bethany. She was so great. And, you know, we just got talking about other things and come to find out they're from Canada and they come down to Orlando to visit twice a year, usually in the spring and like right as summer is turning into fall. And every time they came, they've been coming now to see me for, I want to say like five years and they come every spring and every summer and they always ask for me and they were the nicest people and like. We always remember, like, this, the weirdest things we remember about each other. So, like, I the one time they were Canadian, and so I was telling them, oh, like, you know, my friends kind of got me into hockey. I've been going to the Solar Bears games. And so the next time they came, months later, they were like, how's hockey? Are you liking it? And we're like, the weirdest things we would remembered, right? So anyways, pandemic hits, okay? March of 2020. And all I could think of was my Canadians usually, like, when we were originally shutting down and we didn't know it was going to be as long as it was. I thought, my Canadians usually come. They're not going to be allowed in the country. Oh, no. Like, I hope they're okay. And so I've been thinking about them. We reopen. And, you know, it's it's that August time. They usually would come down. And they don't come. And that makes sense. Because at the time, like, the borders were still very strict. So, like, all 2021, it was like, am I going to see them? I don't know. And I just kept thinking about them and being like, I hope they're doing well, you know? And um, no lie, uh, just... So yeah, a week from this past Sunday. So a week ago, I'm working at my venue and I'm I look around and I see this couple and I'm like, it's them. And they had requested me, but my section was full. So the server was nice and put them like, you know, in a section next to me or whatever, so they could at least say hi. So, anyways, long story short, the server that was next to me is actually one of my dear friends. And she's like, Oh my God, those are your regulars. Like from years ago. Yeah, like of course you can take care of them. Should I take care of them? And I kid you not, like it was like, I got like emotional because I had not seen them since basically, I guess it would have been almost 2019 because yeah, they would have come down in like August, 2019, I guess. Cause their, their next trip would have been in around the time we shut down in 2020. And so I was like, I thought about you guys. And I wondered how you were. And they're like, we were so worried about you with the pandemic. And we didn't know if you'd still work here and whatever. And it was honestly so beautiful. And so I saw them twice this, this last trip. And it was just so nice to see them again. And like, again, we hadn't seen each other since 2019 and they remembered me and asked for me and like, that y'all is like what makes serving worth it. I think like truly it's like stuff like that, like the weird relationships you build with people and the way you can, you know, make someone feel confident that they're not going to get sick that day and that they're in good hands. And like that just honestly really makes it worth it for me. So anyways, long story. (laughs) But that was my super positive uh, serving story. So I did want to end this on a high note. Um, Oh, I love that. They're nice. Tim and Nicole, wherever you are, up in Canada right now, freezing your butts off. I hope you're doing wonderfully. You guys are the nicest people. And I'm glad that that I have been able to take care of you over the years.
1: Sorry. Please do. It's about Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) So uh, my first year uh, working at the restaurant that we worked at, I was in a really toxic relationship and i was stuck in it and i was a nightmare and i really didn't have any friends but you know mike was always nice he's kind of like first of all mike's like how tall is he's like six foot four and he is oh, man yes he is like uh just a little weirdo but he's so nice but he's like yes. very sarcastic like you don't really get, well you definitely get to see his soft side but a lot of people don't get to see his soft side And so, you know, I'd been working there for a year or whatever, and I finally got the courage to dump my my partner. And um, but it was really difficult because we lived together and we'd shared dogs. And it was just like this whole thing. And it was very emotional. And there was one day at work where some bitch got me sent home out of spite for literally no reason. But the problem was I really didn't have anywhere to go because my ex had kicked me out of the house and work was kind of, like, where I needed to be. Um, So I was, like, panicking, like, I have nowhere to go. I can't believe this bitch got me sent home. This sucks. And I was, like, bawling in the back, and I'll never forget, Mike just came over and gave me, like, a huge hug and was, like, it's okay. It was just, like, so comforting, and it's so nice, like, you know, because he's just, like, a sarcastic, jokey guy, and then to, like, just be the person out of like fifty employees that day. Like, oh, I'm getting emotional, Mike. Look what you made me do. <laughs> um, to, gonna, for him I'm to be, be like the me. guy that you know that took time out of his busy shift to like comfort me and make sure I was okay before I left was just like something about the restaurant industry, man. It is just Seriously. there's a lot of bad, but there is so much good, and yeah. That was the last yeah. story I wanted to tell. Shout out Aww, to Oh, that's such
0: a good. Yeah, we're seriously, we're bringing this all full circle. And also, yeah, like if you all knew Mike, especially when we all worked together, yeah, like he very much, you know, northeast sarcastic asshole was kind of his whole shtick. But like that's how you knew that he because he just like wouldn't talk to you if he didn't like you. But if he made yes. fun of you, like you knew you were in with him. Like that's when I was like, okay, I think this guy like again this was when he like liked me like me but when I was just like started working with him I was like okay this guy like must think I'm all right because he wants to make fun of me and like that's kind of how you knew you were in with him but yeah like definitely not like a touchy-feely guy at work he's very sweet and sensitive with me obviously um but not a touchy-feely guy at work but yeah it's totally you know and I think that's why I like the character of Isabel so much is because we all have worked with an Isabel in the service industry. Like she is such a bitch and she is so like, I'm going to tell it how it is, but also like just like how she stuck up for Norman. Like that is yeah, like like what Mike did for you. What so many people I have worked with again, I have cried in a walking walk-in cooler so many times and people that I thought didn't even notice me at work that I never even talked to were like, Hey, are you okay? Like, do you need me to check on your table? Do you need to go? Mm-hmm. They'll be like, go, go sit over there. I'll, I'll bring you water. And like everyone, seriously, if you see someone having a rough time, like comes to you and is like, what do you need? I'll watch your section, go to the bathroom. Do you need to go call someone? Do you need to cry for a minute? Like I've got you. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. And that is just like the most beautiful thing. Like even people that you're like, wow, I usually think you're kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of a sudden can come and like provide you like the best comfort and like exactly what you needed in that moment. And it is just, and, like, and that's the thing is like, you don't know what's going on. And like when people this is my PSA for anyone who's ever worked in the service industry, when you sit down in someone's section, you have no idea what is going on mm-hmm. inside of their, you know, and their life outside of this job. And there are so many things I have worked through. There's so many things I know of. my friends have worked through. And I'm just amazed that they showed up to work. And I mean, you have to, right? Because you need to yeah. make money. And the fact that we're still there and we're with a smile on our face and we're trying to provide you a service, like just be gentle with people because you mm-hmm. don't know what's going on in their life and you could really make or break their day like 100%. Yeah. And yeah, that's my, that's my soapbox. Be nice to your servers. Mm-hmm. They'll <laughs> always do. remember you.
1: They'll always <laughs> they remember you if know. you're nice and they'll always remember you. If you're not, I still have 100%. a bunch of, I still have, like trinkets and like little notes. Like people have, you know, working in Disney lots of people give servers trinkets. So I have like a lot of trinkets and like a lot of handwritten notes from guests that I still hold on to and, and like hang up and
0: so nice. Yeah, I every, nice to people. <laughs> every drawing that any kid has ever done for me, yep. I keep them like 100%. I still have all of them. And that is okay. literally worth more to me than any like tip at that table. Like the fact that they tip me after their child has just drawn, drew for me a beautiful tiger. I'm like, that was this, that's all I needed. I needed to, and then when they like asked you your name and like, or like how to spell it, which like most of the time, like the mom or dad like has seen your name tag and they like help them out. But there's been a few times where like a little kid has been like, excuse me what is your name? And I like know that they're about to like give me a drawing and be like to Bethany. And then they will be like from Lila, H seven. And I'm just like,
1: <laughs> yeah. And I go around and I like show it to all my coworkers. I'm like, look what Lila drew me. <laughs> I know. I like keep it we in my it. server book and I like open it. And I'm like, yes. oh, I love this is what I
0: needed. Also, wow. my friend today gave me it seems a little weird, like the slower season, Gary up for the holidays. Being in December is always kind of slow in Orlando. And my friend just randomly brought in Lisa Frank stickers. And I was like, oh my God. And so she's like, you can take some. And so I took a couple and put them in my server book. And one of them is a little teddy bear witch with a little rainbow cauldron. And I was like, I'm putting her in my server book. And anytime I'm stressed, I'm gonna look down and be like, do it for her.
1: <laughs> oh, I love Lisa Frank. <laughs> so good.
0: good yeah that's enough of our server rambling for now stay tuned there'll be more but yeah seriously from uh us to to you to all of our lovely listeners I really do hope generally, that you have a very wonderful holiday season it is honestly my favorite time of year coming up I am such a sucker for like holiday traditions and treats and lights and whatever you celebrate Hanukkah Kwanzaa Christmas the new year I think we all pretty much celebrate the new year right yeah. all those holidays coming up please enjoy them enjoy times with friends and family You're like and I'm just gonna tell all of your friends and family everyone this is my assignment probably over this holiday season we're gonna go be spending it with family some of our family you probably do and do not agree with um for everyone be like Mira and for all the family who wants to throw judgment your way around that, you know, holiday feast, just be in your mind and be like, I know who I am and I know my worth. And for all of the people that friends and family that you do love, be like Mira and please go and remind them of their worth because everyone needs to hear that sometimes. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And if the holidays are extra difficult for you, know that me and Bethany love you and you matter to us. And if it's a tough season for you, I'm really sorry, but I hope that you get through it, do things that make you feel good, take care of yourself. And if you can't see your family because they're too much, don't see your family. It's okay.
0: 100%. Um. Um, But yeah, seriously, we love you all. Thank you so much. I love this little... Speaking of families, one of my favorite quotes is from the show, *Ted Lasso, and it's when they're on the Christmas, That's a Christmas episode, and they're all around the table, and he's like, the family you're born with, and the family you make along the way, and this has been, this little community has been the family that I have made along the way, and so I just want to wish you all a happy holidays, and yeah, if it's, the holidays are not a good time for you. I just, yeah, like Michael Ann was saying, I just want to echo that, that we send our love your way. So thank you everyone so much. We'll be back January 3rd. Come join us as we enter the dreamland.
1: Tip your servers. (laughs) Tip your servers. Keep things. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.